Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm David Brody. It is Monday, March 15, 2021. So we begin with two words. Immigration crisis. That's what's happening right now in America as we speak. Ever since the Biden administration took over, illegal immigrants have been making a run for the border and they're not going to Taco Bell, if you know what I mean. Caravans of people and unaccompanied minors are flooding the southern border. The numbers staggering. 60% increase just last month among children alone, unaccompanied minors. We're going to explore the problem. Also today, voting in America. Liberals say big bad Republicans are trying to suppress the vote. The liberal media, of course, piles on. They call it restricting the vote. But what's the real truth? We're going to hear from both sides of the debate on the show today. And Joe Biden finally speaks about Andrew Cuomo, and it's met with a thud. Wah, wah, wah. So much for moral leadership. We're going to have that story. But first to the growing immigration crisis on the border. Uh, Look, folks, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that this was going to happen. All right. Joe Biden and his administration gave more than just a wink and a nod to illegal immigrants when he was running for president. He essentially said, come on in because we're compassionate and Donald Trump isn't. Well, guess what? They listened. Illegal immigrants listened. Now it's a national nightmare. Uh, Let me put it this way with a food analogy, okay? It's like dessert, right? Trump was saying, sorry, illegal immigrants, you better not come here because I've locked the freezer. You can't get the yummy ice cream. Biden, on the other hand, has basically said, hey, illegal folks, come up to America. Have a look at the wonderful dessert buffet items that we have for you. I mean, we've got cheesecake. We've got free citizenship. We've got sorbet. Hey, we even have stimulus checks, too, if you get here in time. Now, of course, the GOP is wasting no time putting this crisis squarely on the Biden administration. They're already out with a new ad. Have a look. In January, we had 78,000 people that were stopped. The Biden administration has been reluctant to call the situation unfolding on the border a crisis. There's a real big problem at the, at the border that's continuing to grow. February, I think you're going to see numbers close to 100,000. And we're already seeing some of the numbers um, exceed what we saw in 2019 with these unaccompanied children that are coming across. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now. Because you have a White House that is wanting to say that there's not a crisis at the border, but the numbers don't um, lie. And keep in mind that March, April, May, and June are the peak time. So we haven't even hit the peak uh, numbers right now. January, we had 78,000 people that were stopped. The Biden administration has been reluctant to call the situation unfolding on the border a crisis. There's a real big problem at the, at the border that's continuing to burn. All right, we want to get some perspective on all of this now. Bring in our good friend Manuel Miranda, the former counsel to Senate Majority Leader Bill, Bill Frist. Uh, Manny, great to see you, sir. Good to see you, David. Uh, Manny, look, this this crisis that we're seeing unfold, it really should not come as a surprise to anyone. What's your take? 
No, it should not come as a surprise. In fact, as I sat with my wife to listen to the inaugural speech, I turned, and she is a Biden supporter, I hate mm -hmm. to admit, but uh, she, I turned to her and, uh, and said, there's going to be a crisis within two weeks on the southern border. Mm. And anyone could have seen this coming. That's the way it works. When you send signals that you're going to be welcoming, we're already sending the major signal that we're welcoming because our laws are a mess. Our system of giving people benefits are a mess. I'm in favor. I like children. I like teenagers. I like young, I like families. But basically, when Texas, when, when the Supreme Court said that Texas had to give everybody free education in public schools, even to the children of undocumented people, that was a welcome. And that it was in 19, that was in the 1970s. So if you are living in a dirt ground hut in Honduras or Mexico or Cuba or any number of other places, now they're coming through the southern border from Africa. If you're living in this situation and you've got two or three children, why wouldn't you want to go to the to the United States if you can if you think you can make it there long enough, possibly have uh, citizen birthright children in the United States, possibly be put on a path of legalization, which the president announced a long time ago. So all of these things are incentives. And then when you have a president himself who just simply fumbles into words uh, like come on in, basically, that's basically what he said. Of course, you're going to have and, and the and the tragedy tragedy that uh, parents are now sending their children unaccompanied in the thousands yeah. across the border. I mean, someone has to take responsibility for this, and it really has to be the president. Yeah. And, and Manny, as we look at some of the headlines around the country, just the news, obviously, uh, uh, our website has a headline up about Biden dispatching FEMA to address the growing border crisis. I mean, there, right now, I'm looking at the statistics, there are 2,800 unaccompanied minor children right now at the border, and they've got 500 beds. I, I mean, th th this is just, now, now here's the thing, they're gonna blame it on the Trump administration, and I'm saying, you gotta be kidding me. How, how do you blame this on the Trump administration? Because yeah. you guys did the 180, and everybody said, you know what, I think I'll come up to, to, to the border here. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's frankly ludicrous to suggest that this is the responsibility of the previous administration. When they reduced the numbers, they entered into agreements with uh, source countries and with Mexico to take the people in and keep them there while they apply for asylum and allow them to apply for asylum in those countries themselves. It just doesn't make sense. But I'll tell you, David, at this point, I think we have to start thinking about what are the greater goals and objectives that are being sought here. You know, many years ago, when Spain, for the first time, opened up its immigration to non-Christian countries, there was a very, very isolated place for a long time. But with the social government, socialist government, they opened up, allowing Muslims to come in in large numbers. And, well, you know, that's fine. Okay. But why did they do it? Why did they do it? And the reason why they did it is because they wanted to reduce the influence and power of the Catholic Church in Spain. Hmm. So you have to ask yourself, what is going on here? Why do they want all these people to flood into our southern border? Do they want uh, basically all these people dependent on large government? Do they want all these people possibly someday to be voters uh, of the Democratic Party? Why is George Soros funding 
the organizations that are organizing these caravans. Those organizations are being funded by George Soros' so, organization. So, so Manny, uh, is that a rhetorical, uh, rhetorical question? I mean, in other words, I can answer one of them. I mean, it doesn't take, like I said, a rocket scientist to figure out that uh, clearly the more illegal immigrants they get in this country, most likely they're going to, um, the percentage of them, big percentage, are going to vote Democrat. At least that's what the Democrats think. Uh, and so, you know, the, this is all about power, securing power, is it not? I have to, I mean, you have to start asking yourself, how could people be so incompetent? There must be a, another reason for this incompetence, because the United States cannot. The United States has operated mm -hmm. uh, human movements throughout the world since World War II. Mm -hmm. The Indo-Chinese refugee crisis of the 1980s, massive, massive efforts that the United States has executed competently. The fact that we can't control our southern border, we have to start thinking, what else is going on here? What is at play? And I think it's more than a rhetorical question. It's, a, it's an implication that really um, politics is at play here. And uh, yeah. it isn't more than incompetence. So, Manny, uh, as, we, as we kind of start to wrap up the segment here, uh, I'd like to concentrate a little bit on solutions. And you know, I don't know how much of a legislative solution there can be. I mean, you got to start with DACA. I think most people can get around some sort of narrow DACA legislation, possibly. Uh, but after that, I mean, I I'm not quite sure how you solve a problem like this when you have a mindset by an administration uh, that clearly uh, wants, is going, doing this all under the cloak of compassion and humane, uh, you know, and come on and they, they cue the Statue of Liberty and say, you know, just, just everybody come here and have a better life. I mean, that, that just can't be the way it's done. You, you have to have rules and the law of order. You've got to have a balance between the two, Manny. And you perhaps, David, perhaps you also need a game changer. One of the problems that we've had is that mm -hmm. we've been tackling this from a humanitarian point of view. We've been assuming mm -hmm. that these people are possibly asylees, which are limited to political re repression. In the, throughout the world, that's the definition. Not people who come because of gang violence or because of climate change or because of a hurricane. No, those people are refugees, not asylees. What we may want to do is internationalize this uh, crisis so that the international system comes in and applies all of the things that they do. You know, the three, the three uh, aspects of internationalizing this process is resettlement in a third country, repatriation, and uh, resettlement in, uh, well, repatriation, resettlement, and possibly third country movement. Mm -hmm. So there are countries in this world w that are suffering population decreases that actually need immigration. You know, perhaps it's time to bring the International Migration Organization, yeah. the UN High Commissioner for Refugees, and set up camps and get them over to Vanuatu or Russia or wherever they need people because uh, we can't handle this on, on our own and we're obviously uh, not trying. Yeah, uh, Manny Miranda, really appreciate your, your insight. I'd love to have you on on so many different topics. We haven't even gotten to judges and so many other uh, topics that you are an expert on, but immigration obviously right at the top of the list. So we appreciate your time. Thanks, Manny. Thank you so much, David. And right, good great. to be with you. Yeah, great, great to be with you, too. I know he's a, he's a proponent of figuring out a way to get the DACA kids 
you know, somehow, look, it wasn't their fault, right? I mean, I, th I think America has moved on the DACA issue for sure, but this is not what we're talking about. This isn't DACA. I mean, I mean they, they talk about, you know, the Democrats love to talk about morality. Uh, what's happening at the border is immoral. I mean, to promise someone, uh, uh, you know, some, some bill of goods, a, a bill of sale, if you will, uh, here in America, and then just say, you know what, I'll tell you what, instead, where you have some uh, inhumane conditions at the border for you, that's not right either. Come on. Back in a moment. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, talking immigration in that first block, let's continue to talk about it. Uh, I want to play a soundbite, as we say in the business, from uh, the, the Biden administration White House Southern Border Coordinator or uncoordinator. <laughs> Roberta Jacobson is her name. She was asked a question the other day at the White House. This was last week. Uh, and in essence, she's pretty much admitting that the crisis uh, was pretty much of this uh, administration's doing. Uh, have a look. Uh, Madam Ambassador, do you think it's a coincidence that as soon as Trump and his immigration policy were on the way out and Biden and his stated policy were on the way in, this historic surge at the border started? Well. First of all, one of the things I think is important is we've seen surges before. Surges tend to respond to hope. And there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of, you know, pent-up demand. So I don't know whether I would call that a coincidence, but I certainly think that the idea that a more humane policy would be in place may have driven people to make that decision. <laughs> there it is, folks. <laughs> Democrats want to blame this all on the Trump administration. I'm like, what? What the what? Can I say that? What the what? I mean, she's admitting it right there. All right. Okay, enough. I'm into monologue territory. I got to stop because we have Liz Harrington uh, on editor-in-chief uh, of the War Room. Uh, Liz, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to even say good to see you. Even though it's good to see you, just go. Because what the what? The what? That is a stunning soundbite you just played. Uh, it's hopeful to have no borders whatsoever, to have children who have been recycled dozens of times. That's hope. Have the cartels running the show down there mm -hmm. because they know the gate on Biden, what Biden's now in charge of, is wide open. And this is disgusting. It's very disturbing. I also would like to ask, the Biden regime. Uh, are there vaccine passports for all these people crossing the border? Are they checking? Are they testing any of that? No, this is the upside down world we now get where they call evil good and good evil. This is law abiding citizens are going to be punished. Our wages are going to go down. Uh, the lockdowns that we've seen, the small businesses that have been absolutely crushed all of last year and now into this year. And look at what they allow along the border. And it's the people who are coming up doing this awful journey that are going to really suffer here because the cartels are running the show now because they know President Trump isn't there 
to hold Mexico accountable, to enforce our borders, and to enforce the rule of law. It's an absolute travesty, and that's a joke of an answer. Pent-up demand for lawlessness. Well, I guess that's what she's talking about. Yeah, and apparently, uh, yeah, good luck trying to get the one-two shot on the vaccine coming in illegally, too. I mean, what about the disease aspect of all of this, COVID and otherwise, Liz? It's unbelievable, and that just shows this whole thing is just about advancing their politics. It's mm. not about actually solving problems. It's about control. Mm. It's about punishing law-abiding citizens. They're literally talking about you can't send your kids back to school without using an experimental vaccine. You can't travel. You can't have a job because your employer is going to mandate it. And yet, here's the border wide open. It's all about this sinister ideology pushing that it makes no logical coherent sense mm -hmm. because it's all about power yeah. and control and it's very troubling. And oh, by the way, uh, this just in, when I say this just in, I'm kind of being sarcastic to a degree, but uh, ICE, uh, six, six, excuse me, there is 60% uh, less arrests coming from the Biden administration. That That's coming from uh, ICE and the federal government. They're, they're arresting 60% fewer folks than under the Trump administration. What's your take on that? 60% less, and then of course, this is a, what double the amount of crossings right, right now. We're getting right. almost the highest, I think it's the second highest on record in February. They didn't even want to release the numbers because they were so incredibly high. Mm -hmm. And this is absolutely a tragedy, and it's going to really hurt American workers. It's going to hurt the illegal aliens who are crossing this border uh, in very perilous conditions with the cartels and the human trafficking. Uh, that's the real problem here as well, the human element that no one wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know how you get into the position to cross this wide open Biden border? You have to go through the cartels, and that means human trafficking, drug trafficking. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. And so the arrests are down. They're not enforcing, uh, holding the cartels accountable. They're not enforcing lawbreakers accountable. And the crossings are up. Let me move on to Andrew Cuomo. I mean, talk about being in a bunker. He's got a blanket on. Now he's in a bunker. I mean, my goodness. All right, so, so uh, Joe Biden this weekend finally broke his si silence in, in a moment of immoral clarity. Now, I didn't say moral. That's right. I said it. Immoral clarity. Here's exactly what he said to a reporter this weekend. Do you think Governor Andrew Cuomo should resign? I think the investigation is underway, and we should see what it brings us. Oh, the investigation's underway. Uh, I believe that's another, called, yeah, the cop out in chief. Another profile in courage. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't even know what's going on in that situation. I'm surprised they even like trotted him out there to answer a question. It's been 54 days with no press conference. It's such a joke. I don't think he's aware of what's going on. Um, he'll just do, again, whatever the people need him to do. It's interesting, though. Now we have all of these. Um, Congress people coming out and saying it's time for Cuomo to go. He's uh, past the expiration of his usefulness to them. Uh, he's going to try to fight on. But again, his future is over in politics. And it's not about these sexual assault allegations. For the people, it was about what he did to his state and what he did to his senior citizens. That's the real scandal. When is Joe Biden going to address this or anything else? He, he never will, because that's what this is all to distract away from. And he, did you, what's your prediction on Cuomo? Do you think uh, 
You think he'll eventually resign? I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, look, I mean, AOC and everybody, I mean, Schumer, they're calling for, and he's still not resigning. I mean, what's it going to take? It's incredible. I mean, he might eventually get forced out. He seems to be losing uh, all the allies that he once had. But who knows? I mean, you can brag about you know, letting babies die on the operating table and mm. making them comfortable before you make that decision and mm. Ralph Northam and still be the governor yeah. of Virginia. You can dress up in blackface and still be the governor. So there's no standards here. We'll see what happens. But his political future is not right. No, that's a great point, Liz. I'm glad you brought that up about Ralph Northam, by the way. I mean, yeah, talk about, you know, media just let that go. Democrats just let that one slide. Uh, anyhow, uh, Liz, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, coming next, uh, Jenny Beth Martin, the honorary chairman of Tea Party Patriots Action, talking election integrity, specifically what's going on in Georgia, trying to crack down on voter fraud. Back in a moment. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. All right, we did uh, immigration in the first uh, portion of the show. We're now going to turn to election integrity. Some people might call it uh, Voter fraud, clamping down on voter fraud. Uh, Democrats and liberals, obviously, will call it uh, voter suppression. As a matter of fact, uh, this is what you're going to read uh, quite often if you go to media uh, reports. This is Politico. Listen to the, what Politico is saying here. In state houses around the country, most notably in Georgia, lawmakers are rolling out legislation that would make it a lot harder to vote. They're considering dozens of restrictive, code word, restrictive, restrictive bills to purge voters from rolls, limit, code word, early and absentee voting, add voter ID requirements, and eliminate automatic and same-day voter registration. This is how the media does it, folks. Uh, they, they have the buzzwords in there, and all of a sudden it's restricting access, and, and liberals talk about voter suppression. We're going to talk about that in the, in the following block with a, with a Democrat, liberal, Renato Mariotti, who will talk to us about voter suppression and how they see it. But first, I want to bring in Jenny Beth Martin, uh, honorary chairman of Tea Party Patriots Action. Uh, Jenny Beth, always great to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Jenny Beth, uh, you're right there in Florida. You're in the thick of it. Uh, Florida, hello, Georgia. What state are you in? That's right, Georgia. Oh, my Georgia. goodness. Sorry, it's a, and it's only Monday, Jenny Beth. Oh, my goodness. Check back with me on Friday. Uh, all right, so you're in Georgia. Take us through some of these bills that apparently Politico and the liberal media love to call these uh, restricted voter access type bills. Ex explain what's happening. What's the truth down there? Um, the truth is that the, the state legislature is working to make sure that we have um, a few more safeguards in place to make sure that every legal vote is counted and that people are voting in the precinct where they actually reside so that they can cast a single vote for the, the precinct where they reside. That means that there would be um, voter ID tied to absentee ballots rather, th rather than just a signature. I think that's something that most Americans and most Georgians would agree is a good thing. Uh, these, um, the signature verification, there were problems with that in the last election. And I think that even Stacey Abrams about a year ago was complaining about the, the um, signature verifications in Georgia 
Georgia and changing those. So a voter ID would be a more uniform way to verify absentee ballots. And there is a provision in place that I am especially interested in, and that is to make sure that there are judges who are in place that would hear a contested election and they would do so in a timely manner, and that there are um, provisions in place to trigger the appointment of a judge if one is not assigned properly. That's important. I was on the Trump legal team in Georgia, and from my perspective, that is the most important change that we can make in Georgia. Now, others may may think differently, but the fact is, the Trump legal team said that there were over 30 election laws that were violated multiple times in the November election. We never actually got to go to court because the court date, when we finally got a judge and found out about the judge, it was Monday, January 4th, a full month after we had filed had filed and that judge said okay i'll hear it we'll have a trial and i think she moved fairly quickly but the fastest that she moved gave us a trial on friday january 8th in between the first the fourth and the eighth uh congress met and the case became moot so so the trump team dismissed it well we needed a judge long before january 4th and if you have a hundred if you have 30 laws that were violated and you go past another hundred What's to stop those new 100 bill laws from being violated as well? We have to have enforcement mechanisms in place. For sure. I want to get you, I'm curious your reaction to what Stacey Abrams said over the weekend. She was talking to CNN's Jake Tapper. Uh, she used the R word, the racist word, uh, as it relates to the bills that are being floated down in Georgia. Uh, this is specifically uh, just a snippet of what she said. I do absolutely agree that it's racist. It is a redux of Jim Crow uh, in a suit and tie. Uh, that's what she said. Absolutely racist. Uh, th- this is what liberals and Democrats do. Uh, it's it's really sad to see, uh, but I want to get your reaction to that. I, I, I think that it, it that it is just absolutely wrong. It doesn't require any, any intellectual thought at all. It stirs up emotions. It is um, not fair to the legislators who are actually mm-hmm. working to try to ensure that they protect the sacred civil right to vote and that they do so in a way that illegal and improper votes do not cancel out the legal votes of any voter. And I think that most Americans and most Georgians would want that. They're not saying you can't vote if you are legally Uh, If you legally reside in a a specific place within a precinct, they're saying that you can and that you can vote one time. Mm -hmm. That that is what we need to make sure that we protect in this state. Uh, Jenny Beth, help me out a bit on the philosophical nature of this right to vote, you know, because the Democrats always talk about uh, it's your right to vote. And of course, conservatives believe you have a right to vote, obviously, clearly. But but I think what Democrats are trying to do, as we saw with H.R. 1, is to codify some sort of right into legislation, into law, which would then, uh, you know, change the whole ballgame. Well, I think that we already have the right to vote. It's in it's in the Constitution and it, the, the ability to vote 
in this country sets citizens apart from non-citizens. It's one of the, I think, one of the most important things that sets citizens apart from non-citizens. We're able to have a say in our government. So that is important. What, the, what is happening with HR1 is it's expanding it and taking it outside of being a right. And it is, I think, diminishing the value and the importance of voting and making it so easy that, um, it's not that it's even easy. What they're doing, they're going to automatically register people to vote from any da government database, no matter what, you'll wind up being registered to vote. Mm -hmm. There's no check and balance to make sure that the data is actually clean, that the people live where they say they live, that the government in, in say, the Social Security database has the correct information for what a, a voter registration mm -hmm. database would need, need to be. It would um, not allow anyone to challenge voters, so you couldn't verify that the person who is voting really mm -hmm. lives where they say they live um, and it it does things that wind up harming our sacred right sacred right to vote I would yeah. say it's very important to vote we have a right to vote but they should not be doing things that diminish that that right to vote and make it easy for people to cheat and game the system well absolutely when the voter rolls are so out of control in so many different states you don't know what you're getting into so Jenny Beth Martin really appreciate your time thank you so much for being here Thanks for having me. All right, Jenny Beth Martin, always in the thick of things, uh, right down there in Georgia, really across the country, but uh, she's down there in Georgia and she, she knows exactly uh, what's going on. All right, when we come back, Renato Mariotti, a former federal prosecutor, uh, more on the liberal side. Did I say more? It's on the liberal side. We'll talk about voter suppression. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. We're talking about election integrity. We're talking about voter fraud. We're talking about voter suppression. Depending on who you are, you're going to have the expression that fits your ideology. Let's be honest. I mean, that, that, that's where we are in America. Uh, the USA Today, as a matter of fact, putting this up in, in an op-ed, fight voter suppression laws in the states. Let's not let America regress to Jim Crow. And, of course, we know about Stacey Abrams talking over the weekend about uh, some of the Georgia bills that are on display down there. She calls them racist, in essence. I shouldn't say in essence. She did say the word. Uh, anyhow, let's bring in uh, Renato Mariotti. Uh, Renato Mariotti, former federal prosecutor. Uh, Renato, great to have you back on the show, sir. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Well, why don't we start with just the, these words, voter suppression. Uh, help uh, our viewers uh, take them through why many Democrats, liberals, and others, uh, but mostly Democrats and liberals, believe that this is voter suppression because that's, those are a couple of buzzwords that clearly conservatives have issues with. Okay, sure. So a lot of these laws essentially just make it more difficult to vote. They'll restrict, uh, for example, when you can register, uh, how uh, many early voting locations there are, the timing of early voting, uh, you know, for example, the, the way in which, it, the, you know, it'll make it more difficult to register to vote. All of these restrictions that make it more difficult to do something 
um, are going to suppress turnout. They're going to reduce the number of people who vote. Uh, I think Democrats have figured out that Republicans believe that's in their interest. It very well may be. I, I suspect it is. I'm sure Republicans have figured that out, you know, done some calculations to determine that. But, you know, I think, you know, we believe that, that we want people to vote in this country. We believe that having more people participate in democracy is a good thing. And we believe that having hurdles and obstacles that make it more difficult for people to vote uh, is a bad thing. And it's a bad thing for democracy, uh, regardless of whether it helps. What, Renato, what about voter ID? I mean, if you look at polls across the country, uh, you know, roughly a Gallup poll just showed, uh, this was in the last year or two, but 80% or so support voter ID laws. How that is kind of uh, put in the kit and caboodle mix, if you will, as a voter suppression tactic or restricting rights. But how, how I'm trying to understand that because voter ID seems, at least not just to me, but 80% of Americans to be no brainer. How, how is that voter suppression exactly? So it is sort of along the line of the other things that I mentioned. It just makes it more, it puts another obstacle, makes it slightly harder to, to figure out how to vote. Should, shouldn't we, and we do this in our ahead. real life? Yeah. Go ahead. We do this in our real lives all the time, right? I go to the Starbucks one block away instead of the one two blocks away, right? Whenever they put a new Starbucks, that's why they put one in every block, uh, so that this way uh, we make these marginal decisions all the time, and you're going to have voters who, for example, didn't bring the right ID with them who are going to get turned away. And, and I actually saw that in Wisconsin in 2016. Uh, you had a voter, for example, who thought, you know, he had been voting in the past and didn't think he needed to have a a driver's license, he had never, he hadn't gotten one, he was a Milwaukee voter, and uh, was turned away. But, but then the problem is, is that if, shouldn't it just make sense that if you have, uh, you know, from a fraud perspective, I mean, would you want to show a voter ID to make sure this is the person indeed voting? This is just like no-brainer stuff, right? Well, there are other ways in which we, I, we determine whether or not it's the right person who's voting, and we haven't really had a voter fraud problem. I mean, the, the most specific examples, that one in North Carolina, I think, are, it was uh, an issue there that I think was a Republican candidate. But look, you know, it's not a widespread problem. I think Democrats would point out that essentially this is, you know, from, you know, this is part of a large concerted effort in all these different ways that I mentioned earlier to make voting more difficult. And this is one that particularly restricts voting. And in states in which uh, voter ID has been implemented, you've seen the number of voters go down. Well, what, wouldn't it be a good idea? I think a lot of conservatives feel like the voter rolls need to be cleaned up. I mean, some of these voter rolls have been, you know, they're ancient. Many of them are, uh, even if it's been a couple of years. I mean, I know we always talk about dead people voting, and, and then you, you hear, oh, that's just a few cases. But that's not even the point, really. I mean, should, shouldn't just voter rolls overall just be cleaned up? Well, I think whenever it is that you are taking names off of voter rolls, you have a situation where people can show up to vote. And they're not on the rolls if you're going to be taking names off. So we saw, for example, in Georgia, there was a lot of names removed from the rolls. As, as you know, there was litigation over that. And the reason why is because what ends up happening uh, is there's a lot of confusion about, well, who, where, you know, is my name still on? What precinct am I? You know, where should I go to vote? I, I do think one thing I, I think we could potentially agree with uh, is I do think our voting system needs to be modernized. I think we need more investment. And, Part of the issue is that it's done at the state and local level. So we have a hodgepodge of different voting systems, and a lot of times there's not investment because, of course, states have other priorities. Yeah, I think from a mail-in balloting standpoint, I, I know there are five states that obviously sanction it. It's okay. It's legal. Uh, but, but a lot of folks have just, you know, it seems like it would be open for sure to more voter fraud. I mean, if you're literally mailing everybody a ballot that's on the voter rolls, 
I mean, we don't know exactly if these voter rolls are legit. I mean, in other words, we, we have no idea. I mean, even if they're, like you just mentioned, even if they're, uh, uh, you don't know who they're taking off, you also don't know who they're sending to, and that opens up a, a real concern about voter fraud. Well, I, I don't know. There hasn't been any evidence uh, to support that. In other words, I, I haven't seen any evidence that indicates that vote by mail is more rife with fraud than not. And of course, of course, as you point out, there's a lot of states like Utah and Oregon that have been doing that for quite some time and it's been working well for them. I have to say, I think in the long run, our voting system needs to become modernized and simplified. In other words, there's plenty of important decisions I make in my life whether it's submitting my taxes or other things. Frankly, I do it even online. Uh, so, you know, I really don't really see why we need to have these archaic systems of voting. But I think it does advantage, you know, one party, in this case, the Republican Party, more in certain cases, to have it that way. And I think that that's what's going on here. It makes everything more complicated when it comes to voting because we can't just focus on what the most efficient investigator is. Yeah, we have less than a minute left, and this is more of a, it's a much longer answer, I'm sure, at some point. But uh, it does seem to come down to, you know, being, voting being a right, a privilege, or even if it, even if you say it's a right, some people, the conservatives say, yeah, you have a right to vote, but it shouldn't be codified into law as a right. I mean, th th then what happens? So any, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think conservatives make the argument they don't want everybody to vote. They only want people to vote if they're motivated or they're educated or informed. And I, and I think Democrats view bringing more people into the political process is an important uh, goal well, and something we should be trying to do. For sure. And we can talk maybe at some point uh, when we have you on next time about H.R. 1, uh, in essence, uh, an effort to federalize uh, many of these policies. So we'll talk about it. Renato Mariotti, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, like having him on the show, folks. Uh, and my sense is uh, a lot of you will disagree with him. Uh, and guess what? That's okay. I, I mean, I think it's important that we have a conversation. I think we, it's important that we hear from both sides. Uh, and then guess what? This just in. Just like the scarecrow, you have a brain. Because in the end, the scarecrow did get a brain. Did he not? I think he did not. Anyhow, you have a brain. Make up your own mind. I'm back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Water Cooler, everybody. It's Monday, and it so so what so what is that? It's Monday, anyhow. Either way, it's time for the last sip. It doesn't matter. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We do it every single day. You know what we also do every single day? You know, you've been waiting for this all. I know you have. You've been waiting for this all show. The poll of the day. The Water Cooler. Poll of the day. All right, here's the no-brainer poll of the day. Should people who enter the country illegally be tested for COVID before being released to communities around the country? <laughs> Duh, 90% say, uh, yeah. By the way, can we, before we even get to the rest of the poll, can I just say, maybe you shouldn't come into the country illegally and apply the proper way. Oh, sorry, did I uh, go off on a tangent there? My bad, that's not even on the poll. Anyhow, 90% say, uh, of course you need to be tested for COVID. 5% say, no, don't worry about it, come right in. What do we care? 4% not sure. All right, even the 4%, even the not sure folks who we consistently rip on, 
uh, here at the water cooler are, uh, even say they're pretty sure. Only 4% don't have an opinion. So there you go. That is the uh, poll of the day sponsored by absolutely uh, no one. All right. Uh, time now to uh, talk about COVID to a degree, I guess, with Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci. We know him. Uh, some love him. Some don't love him. Uh, and now apparently, is it six feet or three feet? He was on CNN's State of the Union the other day, and now he's saying, you know what, there's some studies out there that, hmm, we might actually do, do three feet instead of six feet. Here he is. The CDC is very well aware that data are accumulating, making it look more like three feet are okay under certain circumstances. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Six feet, six feet, social distance, social distance, six feet. Uh, you know what, maybe three feet's not so bad. Really? This, this, the science continues to change. And don't give me the science changes because the virus, now we know more and it's different. Give me a break. It's been a year. Six feet for a year now, three feet, maybe not so bad. See, this is why people don't trust. You know, everybody talks about, you know, not trusting government. Have a, forget government. You know, sometimes uh, we're told to apparently tr uh, uh, trust the science, right? Trust the scientists. But then you pull this type of stuff. We don't know. What? Pluto. What about Pluto. Pluto was a planet for like ever, and then all of a sudden the scientists said, you know what, actually, <laughs> Pluto's not a planet. So you know what, go figure with the scientists. And by the way, COVID, you know, so I gotta wear a mask or drink, and if I'm drinking, I'm okay for COVID, and if I put this down, I gotta put a mask on. No COVID, COVID. Folks, noggin. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. A huge snowstorm out in Colorado and Wyoming and Nebraska. I used to live in Colorado. I mean, they would have a huge snowstorm and then like you'd be playing golf the next day uh, because it'd be like 55 and sunny. Anyhow, I'm not saying it's going to be 55 and sunny. Uh, let's check in with uh, Chelsea Ambrose, uh, who is a meteorologist at Weather Nation for us. Uh, Chelsea, what do you have? I'm meteorologist Chelsea Ambrose, and we're going to recap some of that blizzard weather that came through along the I-25 corridor. This is the I-25 uh, inter uh, interstate into Denver, Colorado. Yesterday, as the snow was getting started, the plows could definitely not keep up with the snow rates. I mean, the Denver International Airport broke a record. We're at fourth snowiest winter storm ever. 27.1 inches fell uh, in, the, in the airport, so or at least at the airport. So now we're going to continue continue to see the digging out taking place. This is more images coming out of Cheyenne, Wyoming. I mean, two, three feet of snow fell, and then you're getting in on three and four foot drifts. Cheyenne, Wyoming broke a record for two day snowiest event ever on record ever in the city. 25.8 inches fell, breaking the old record of 25.2, which was set back in November of 1979. And we can see some of those reports that came in throughout of throughout the state of Wyoming. 
anywhere from 15 inches to 52 inches of snow fell and some localized areas still trying to clean up this morning and into this afternoon, not only in Wyoming, but even into areas of Colorado where we saw 26, 30, 40 inches of snow. And these are not into just the mountains, but even into the metro areas. Now, again, this is just a recap. We're going to be tracking this storm system and you can always head to weathernationtv.com for more. All right, that's Chelsea Ambrose uh, over at Weather Nation. I got to tell you, I lived in Colorado for 10 years. Y you think you're out of the woods in March and, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, play golf and boom, uh, the, the snow hits. Uh, so you can't. And I got to tell you, I was in Colorado on July 4th, Estes Park, Colorado. It was snowing on July 4th. That's not fake news. That is accurate. We don't have any video of it uh, because it was sometime, you know, post-Civil War uh, whenever I was growing up. But I, I'm telling you, it was true. All right, tomorrow on the show, Congressman Michael Waltz will be here. He will not be performing a waltz, though, Madison, that would be pretty good. Yeah, uh, that, that would be good because uh, that would go viral. And let's be honest, we're not about the content here. We're all about the clicks. That's all we care about. All right, also, Joel Rosenberg will be here. He was on to talk about his book last week, uh, The Beirut Protocol. This time, it's all about Israel and Iran. See you tomorrow, folks.